Welcome to the Weekend Watch List on Intercut, the weekly show going through all the movies, TV, and film festivals that people just can't cut away from. I'm your host, Arturo, and joining me all the way from Tribeca, Robert De Niro's Fest, right? Yeah. Zachary yeah. Uh He got the... It's been okay. I mean, it, it was unfortunately the same weekend as my birthday weekend, so that I was, was a bit say, distracting. June too? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the Dune, maybe not Dune Two, but the uh, the Dune Microsoft Flight Simulator announcement. Did you see that? I I don't normally play Microsoft Sim- Flight Simulator, but they're releasing a Dune version of it that I might have to try out uh, in conjunction with the release of the new movie. So that seems kind of really? fun. Like yeah. VR. I, maybe I don't. You probably can do VR. I know it's going to be like a PC Xbox thing, but interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, but All Tribeca's right. been interesting. You know, it's it's unlike a lot of the other fests that we cover. I feel like uh, it's a lot more like diving into unknown territory and and like trying to find the gems rather than like maybe knowing that a lot of the gems are there. I, Tribeca yeah. tends to be a place where a lot of the films that like maybe don't make it into some of the other festivals end up having their premieres, which doesn't mean like it's, it's bad films, but like you have to find them. You have to seek them out. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been on that hunt at least for the past few days and there's still a, another week left of Tribeca movies. So we'll see. Uh, I'll be back next week, hopefully with the, the diamonds in the rough at least. Uh, how many have you seen so far? How many? I've only got around to five so far, but uh, nothing hopefully good. No standouts. It. I mean, there's been a couple interesting the ones. Stream it. Uh, yeah, most mostly stream it. There's one that I liked that I'm still embargoed from talking Ooh. about, so we'll, we'll see that. Um, I'm see- the one that I'm most excited to see Chelsea Peretti's film, first time yes, female that's... filmmaker. I'm uh, going to that tomorrow, so I'll have an update okay. with that. I figure right. we can wait to talk about Elemental. Uh, but there, I, I will give a quick shout out to a documentary that I've already shouted out. Uh, now I've actually had a chance to to see uh, the Mark Rebier the documentary Songs About Fucking, mm. which you know I, I shouted him out before. And I didn't quite realize he's already getting his own story told, but it's it's fun and does good job of capturing what is so fun about him so uh he did a another one of his live streams from outside one of the theaters in tribeca yeah unfortunately i wasn't in the city for that one but he didn't come come during the screener (laughs) exactly (laughs) right i was ripping your entire apartment apart (laughs) i was hoping but uh maybe next time (laughs) yeah uh i was looking through the schedule i know a lot of them aren't going to be virtual so if you don't have the ability to go to tribeca they do have tribeca at home i believe that starts like a week later uh, so you'll be able to catch a, a couple of the movies there, documentaries, a couple of thrillers. Yeah, there was a couple. There's a Nick Jonas movie that I wanted to see and the Chelsea Peretti one that I know yeah. are exclusively to there. So if you're in New York, uh, give it a chance because I, I've never been to Tribeca. I've only ever done it virtually, but it seems pretty cool. Um, instead, this week, I went to the theater to go see the one and only, <laughs> I would say one and only, if we weren't at number seven, Zach, did you make your way out to go see the new Transformers Rise of the Beasts? <laughs> you know, I I did, and I, I was visiting my parents, and I, I left from their house to, to go see the movie. And no joke, when I told my mom I was going to see the new Transformers movie, the first thing she said is, what's going on with you? And then she asked me about my psychiatrist. <laughs> well... 
Hopefully Transformers 7 Rise of the Beast gives you something to think about when you're in that chair. Because this is another two-hour epic that's coming from, not Michael Bay, but Michael Bay as producer. I keep forgetting Steven Spielberg yeah. as a producer in this. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that we got already early on, I want to say from Josh in the chat, was that we're in this new era of Transformer movies where instead of continuing... Um, Dang, they don't even have other related films for this. So they're like trying to start completely over from the five uh, Michael Bay movies that he made. We had Bumblebee recently in 2018. Between this one and Bumblebee, do you have a preference? Because I do. <laughs> um, I'd probably go with Bumblebee. Uh, you really? Know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm... I don't have a strong preference between them. I, I, th this has been, I'll say that I think of all the like major franchises that dominate Hollywood, Transformers has typically been my least favorite of them. I just have a bit of a mental blockade with them. Uh, and maybe it's that uh, the Bumblebee films played off of the whole like John Hughes 80s coming of age movie kind of vibe. Uh, maybe that it was like a bit of a smaller stakes version of these movies. I'm, I think I'm less into the whole like apocalyptic kind of th vibe that you get from some the of them. The key, the beam <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> the, the trans warp key, was it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, but there were certainly like elements to this new one that I enjoyed, Think like some aesthetic choices that were pretty cool, you know, setting it in uh, Brooklyn in the early 90s in an era when a lot of the hip hop that I think you and I both grew up on was really dominating, you know, uh, the posters of uh, Biggie and Tupac and- uh, Poetic Justice. Yeah, 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 all on the wall. And uh, the, you know, the the needle drops were, were pretty great. I'm always happy to hear a diggable planet's okay. needle drop. Uh, but I, I think- uh, you know, outside of those things, there's still just these mental blockades that I have. You know, the Paramount logo came up at the beginning and they had like their Skrillex transformery robot noises and I was already kind of in a bad mood. Um, but that's, I don't know, that's me. Do you, what do you... What do you take from from this film? Because I think you've had some fun with some Transformers films, but, you know, this is notably like, uh, the the departure from the Bayhem movies, yeah. and, and we we have a new director this time around. Do, he came how do you out and yeah, how do you feel about it? To, uh, uh, Bay was like, you know, I had mine going. I didn't realize we were doing the math in the morning. So his fourth one, which I thought that I thought this was the fifth one. I don't know why. I thought we were like an indie five. Uh, <laughs> this is number seven because number four for Bay made a bill, a billion dollars, only to come back with the 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 one with the Knights of the Templar, the last night one. Yeah. That made a measly $600 million. Can you believe that? So <laughs> Almost chump change. It's like, yeah, what are we doing? The charity here? So at <laughs> that point, they pretty much, not that they fired him because you can't really fire a Michael Bay because they have to go with all of his designs. But you can hear in the press, the little press that he's doing for this one, that because of that failure, that half a billion dollar failure, he had to let the people take it and do this new direction. Uh, Bumblebee being, you know, something different than what, what he was going for. Transformers, Rise of the Beast, being in a different multiverse. I don't know how much of that you were catching in the movie as they were name dropping what is yet again another uh, multiversal movie that we've got in, multiversal blockbuster that we've got in this year. Um, so specifically, go ahead. So are you, are you telling me that this is the line because they tried to pull the whole oh, we're going to kill Chewie, psych, we didn't kill Chewie move in the film. It's like, I, I know that robot is in other Transformers movies. Well, 
first off, the so robot that you're times. talking about has died so many times. It's getting ridiculous at this point. It's almost it's a canon event for Optimus Prime at this point. Um, but yeah, you can you can hear Michael Bay complaining on on them kind of taking the the franchise not even in a, a new direction, just away from him. And because of that, he's saying that well, you know, I kind of started the multiverse since the last night, uh, so technically I set it up so that this could be a whole thing. So I am assuming that this is going in a different direction, different franchise, different timeline completely. As we'll get into just a little bit with no spoilers. Uh, look, yeah. I'll put it to you this way: I'd lo- I I really like the first movie. I think the first Transformers has been the best Transformers. To me, this is the second best Transformers <laughs> number one soundtrack yeah. out of the entire franchise, though. I had a pretty good time with this. I was spoiled what the ending was because I'll put it to you this way. I'm a person who uh, was was kind of willing to catch this, not in Dolby because I didn't want to do the travel for it. But I was like, ah, you know, I, I, I like the boy who's in it. Dominique Fishback's in it. I don't mind the Dolby that each of these movies bring because every time there's a new Transformers movie, to me, that means that I'm walking to a Best Buy into any electronic store, and that is going to be how they're teaching you how a, how a sound bar can be maximized, how uh, a 4K can be pushed to its limits. I found out what the ending was, and it intrigued me so hard while everyone was complaining about it that it made my butt go to that seat, and I'm not going to lie. I really liked that fusion that they did at the end. If you don't want to be spoiled, I can guarantee you, go watch it. You will be in for a surprise. The movie, it's at the level of the best of the Transformers, in my opinion. I think if you like Bumblebee, you're going to enjoy this one. It's really just a new set of characters. Um, I know in the chat they were already bringing up the new voices that we have. I don't know how you felt about them. I thought I was going to hate one in particular. I didn't. They've they've always done that terrible take on these Transformers having these different, uh, like, slang. It, it got pretty bad at one point, uh, around, like, three and four. Uh, so because of that, I, I, I don't think his take was as bad. But I do agree with you with it being so jarring because you will have a, a Porsche. His turns into a nice little compact car. And then in some scenes, he can be this massive, like, just garbage truck. So there really is no logic when you come into these movies. But again, we're talking about number seven. It's like going into Fast X and expecting really good physics with it. Uh, you also have a really good cast and M- Michelle Yeoh coming in to be and everything. Uh, Peter Dinklage plays the main bad guy. And it's this dude who I want to see if I can pull a picture of him because he, like, grabs the decals of every Transformer that he kills, which I thought was pretty dope. You're, so, you're supposed to be dealing with a young Bumblebee, a young Optimus Prime. Uh, who has these other Transformers who look up to him as this legend they've heard of. He's damn near Kal-El because all these Transformers had to leave their robot planet and now they're kind of stranded over here. Um, but once they meet him, they're like, uh, you were kind of mentioning it earlier with the Chewy thing. It's that Transformers side of things where you're like, oh, this is the Luke Skywalker. You sound better. The Luke Skywalker everybody speaks of. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting dynamic. I know people always complain about the humans. Like, oh, are they detracting from it? I think it's been the same percentage that we've seen split between the robots and the humans. And to me, I didn't think they were bad. And more than that, I think the humans are always there for one reason. And that's to show you the scale of the Transformers, especially when they're running around. And I thought they did a good job with that. Dominique Fishback should win all of her awards for Swarm at the Emmys. And that she was pretty decent in this movie as well. Um... I'll continue mentioning some of the other ones as uh, Zach gets his audio fixed right there. The new addition that we have here, uh, besides this ugly big truck, is the Beast, which if you're a big animation head, 
they were able to find an interesting way to animate them because you have what is the the cheetah, what I think is called, I don't want to mess up the name, but when I found out what the name was, that was pretty funny. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, who plays like the, the bird, there's a rhino. And then you had the Harambe's out there. I like these two because they kind of had this, uh, not really an on and off thing, but this almost like they're two leaders trying to see who is going to take orders from the other. Like who who is the leader who's willing to put their pact first? Because you have Optimus Prime, and then Maximus Prime, if I'm not mistaken, which I thought was a raw way to kind of be like, yeah, I was named after you because the legend of Optimus is that big. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting movie in the sense of even if it's in another timeline, the lessons Optimus learns in terms of being a leader are things that, I don't know, makes you feel like as a viewer, right? This is the Optimus that's learning its lessons for when we see him in Transformers 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, again, the third, fourth Transformers, the one that did dinosaurs, I think contradicts everything that's happened with the beasts because now it's like, no, the beasts were here and the other one says it's the dinosaurs. So I don't really know what the logic is there. Uh, but overall, I thought the Dolby mixing was a blast. There's a certain point where it's just a 30 second massage in the back of your seat that I thought made the uh, experience worth it. I'm not going to say it's a full junior price before the Dolby, before again, we're in the summer season, it gets taken out. Go give yourself a nice little massage. Enjoy the new 4K effects. It's not peak Transformers like it's been in the past, but it's not the worst I've seen either. Again, my second favorite Transformers movie, but it's not like the Transformers franchise has been the biggest out there at all. So you didn't you didn't miss the bayhem of it because I was a little bit surprised. Like, I just felt like That's there was thing, no. I, I I don't know. Like I because like. I've come around on Michael Bay in some ways, but I still haven't come around or on his vision of the Transformers movies. I liked mm. that there was a little more clarity here. I liked that they, that they had more like humanoid features to a lot of these things, but I, I felt like that was what a lot of people were anticipating. I still feel like that final fight, I wish it wasn't in such like a gray wasteland though. Other than that. Every uh, single movie. Yeah. Bro, wait till you see the flash. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my god. And, and that's what I'm saying. We're almost like I'm almost like adjusting it to the more bland movies that I've seen, even within its own franchise. Uh, I like uh what the new director was able to do here, Stephen Cable Jr. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure some of the other work that he's done, but I like the passion that he brought into it. Uh, someone had asked if it's worth it for a non-90s kid, and I said so because I don't get wrapped up in like, oh my gosh, it's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers there, right? I enjoyed the soundtrack because of the aesthetic that it gives the feel of these new characters, right? Uh, because they're coming from New York, because they're able to add that spunk to it, I think would have worked even if they were doing it in the you know later 2000s, 2010s. Um, so I like the the vision that he came with it, and yeah. the little the little homages to Bayham. There are some moments yeah. where you'll just have a character with like the, the the dozen fireworks going off in the background. So I thought he was able to balance it pretty well. I personally totally. like it a little bit more than Bumblebee. Um, yeah, but yeah. There, there's that one shot when they're fighting outside the museum and, and a bunch of explosions go off, and that was pure yes, uh, Michael Bay. exactly the one. Yeah. yeah. I got, so, I got two, two last things here. I've always Shoot. found it very, like, 
weird how this movie tries to balance these movies try to balance like these humans running around around these like gigantic you know mechanized killing machines and i feel like the writers of this movie might feel that way too because three different times they're they're like uh our only way inside is through this human-sized entrance (laughs) (laughs) um but I also, I, I, I did laugh a lot at uh, the Optimus Prime line, I do not want you going to that drive-in theater anymore. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. We'll let us know your thoughts on this one, and yeah. we'll catch you in two years for Transformers <laughs> 8. <laughs> See how crazy they take it. But again, that ending, if you're not convinced in it, at least go figure out what that ending is. I'll be making a video later to, to break it down as well. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a good fusion. Uh, moving on to nothing else that's in theaters, because if you are going out to theaters, you should be watching Spider-Verse. I don't know what the f- final count ended up being. I don't know if, if you were keeping tracks with it. They were going neck and neck, Rise of the Beast and uh, Spider-Verse, uh, which I find really interesting because you'll see outlets say, wow, Spider-Verse is doing really good. It might be the new movie that's coming out this week. And then another article will be like 58% drop. How dare they? Oh my gosh, it's lo- how is it losing? <laughs> so I don't know what the final numbers <laughs> ended up being, but if Spider-Verse would have taken that second week, that would have been really cool. I think we're in for a really fun, uh, we keep saying it, blockbuster summer just mm-hmm. because of the box office matches. I know to you and I it's not everything, but yeah. damn, is it kind of fun to see, like, is a second-week movie going to kill a first-week movie? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it is interesting to see, like, where uh, certain films succeed and where the culture's interest uh, lies. The the common factor, though, Luna, Lauren Velez uh, in the number one and number two movies at the box office this weekend, killing it. Mothering all the New York heroes out there, bro. Exactly. Right? Fantastic. Exactly. And, and I love the idea of going animation. And then now you're going to see me as well. That's dope. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, though, you know, because we've talked. I, I feel like we've talked about more off camera on this than on. But waiting for kind of like the Latino moment in mainstream Hollywood. And now in back to back weeks, we got Spider-Verse. We got Transformers with Anthony Ramos at the center. We have Flamin' Hot. Uh, making the rounds on Hulu, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and even Primo, I see a lot of positive responses to on Freebie. How, how's it feeling? I said this. I I said this what a year. I want to say I'm on this podcast. I was definitely on <laughs> me. I'm like, yo, they they're gearing it up. I I saw the pre-production. You know how weird it is to sit there and see the pre-production <laughs> for yeah. it, and now it's here. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, cool. I've had some people follow me who didn't follow me in the past. Look through their numbers. We're like, ah, oh, damn, I'm running out of it. There's that one scene I like to call back to. I wish I had it. I should just have it pulled up for this year now that you yeah. mentioned it. What was the the Daily Show, uh, uh, John Stewart's movie that he made oh, about uh, the election? Oh shoot! Damn, I, I, I wish I had that one. But you know what I'm talking about? Yes, like, I do. I do. The irredeemable, irreplaceable, something like yeah. that. That John Stewart movie uh, is all about campaigning, and there's this one scene where. Um, Who's the lead in that movie uh, from The Office, right? Uh, Steve Carell. And it's Irresistible, by the way. Irresistible. Uh, Steve Carell comes in and says, where's the damn Mexicans? We need more Mexicans. <laughs> That's the summer in Hollywood, pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of Hulu's <laughs> Flamin' Hot yeah. out in Disney Plus. Did you? I don't know if you keep uh, track of this, but I've been getting a lot of people telling me, like, yo, did you see this on Disney Plus? I'm like, no, nah, I thought that was on Hulu. They're like, oh, did you see this on Hulu? I thought that was on Disney Plus. Right. They're doing the Paramount Showtime thing. I I Googled it. It is on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it is on Hulu. 
So they're doing this combination. You and Doubling I down. assumed out of South by that it was just going to be a Hulu exclusive. Excuse me. It, it is very family friendly. But I guess they're sharing titles now. Um, <laughs> like a bag of chips, I guess. It's I for mean, the whole I, family. Yeah, maybe they're they're preparing us for that eventual merger or something. But I, I guess it <sighs> I makes mean, sense. If we're, it does. Everybody outside already kind of has them combined. I guess they assume that you're already getting the bundle. But uh, I had the chance to catch this at South By. We have an individual intercut review uh, that Amanda and I were able to cover when we went to the premiere for this. But for the new Latino movie about the invention of Hot Cheetos, Zachary Shevich, take it away. Let me know your thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's certainly, like, a heartwarming, like, inspirational, like, element to it. Uh, the, you know, I think the performances are all strong, and it's got, like, a fun uh, rhythm to, to the film, you know. If, if I feel like the target audience is going to be really satisfied with this movie. Uh, it is a and different... It's a different experience watching it after you read the LA Times article first. Fair. Uh, break down the <laughs> LA Times article for those who have not read the LA Times article or are uh, paywalled. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's Richard Montañez, right? Uh, he uh, has been for years claiming ownership of the creation of the Flaming Hot Cheeto. He's got speaking engagements and I believe a book even uh, about his life and how he eventually created it, which obviously got adapted to this. Uh, the LA Times asserts that that's not true, that there were many people at Frito-Lay who were working on the product well before he claims to and that uh, they hadn't really heard of him or had heard of him, but only in a tangential capacity. And, I, you know, I don't... <laughs> certainly there's going to be like... Uh, debated elements of of how uh, these things come to life, and maybe some people trying You're to still cracking a bit. Uh oh. Um, am I am I a little better now, or should we? Uh... No, you worse, bro. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh -oh. Um, it's one thing he's, he's coming after you. That's what yeah, you got. Yeah, trying to Talking trying to squash the, the story. Yeah. <laughs> I read the LA Times uh, article yeah. as well, and to piggyback as as Zach uh, fixes that. Um, I, I find one thing interesting. I don't care for the story for any biopic that is thinking that one dude made an entire thing. I don't think that's yeah. possible. What I find interesting is the idea of going after this story like right when the movie's about to come out is when the piece comes out, uh, specifically targeting the idea that multiple people are working on it, which I think is like common knowledge that multiple people should be working on the product. Right. I think that he definitely, I don't know why people need to hear this, <laughs> definitely embellished the story. I don't believe that a janitor has this one in a million chance to be able to take it. The thing I like about the movie completely is the relationship between them two. We'll get to that. I, I think it's weird when a lot of people, like their first thing that they put is this isn't a true story and everybody needs to know this. When they don't care about that for a dozen other things. This is like Woman King where everyone became an African study professor out of nowhere. To me, uh, hold on, I wanted to show you this over here. When I had reviewed it early on, uh, I had like a random dude just come in just because yeah. he was ticked off on the idea. <laughs> oh, I guess he deleted it. 
Now, a moderator no, yeah, removed he deleted it. it. A moderator has removed this comment. I, yeah, Just dude. so y'all know, I never removed comments in my life, so... Dang. He to me, that shows that this dude's stuff. been going around. And other people have been going around. As you, Like, I don't know where this was coming from, but there is a big pushback. So all I can yeah. do is observe as an outsider, but obviously as a Latino, I, I'm like a producer on the movie. So I will <laughs> say this. How does a fake story then? He is a liar. He is a thief. How is he backed and has a book deal and speaking engagements and a whole movie sponsored by Frito-Lay if he's lying on Frito-Lay's behalf? Zach, you just told me, hey, we're in Latino Summerfest. Okay. Then isn't this yet again them going, we don't care if he lied. We're going to use his story for something else. I don't understand how we don't go directly to that. If he is a liar, then why has Frito-Lay's been okay with it? Are we then double lying and taking someone who had nothing to do with it? In order to have a face to sell more hot Cheetos? Yeah, uh, give them a, a fun mascot to rally around or something like that. And uh, part of the LA Times story is even about how one of the execs at Frito Lay, still not really coming through? Uh, just crackling. All right, I, I'm not sure there's much I could do about that right now. Uh, let me, I can try going back to the other mic. Um,. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, the one part that I did find pr very interesting, or at least, uh, I don't know, funny, uh, is he talks about how um, one of the things that inspired him to do Ooh, the... there you go. Okay, cool. Uh, the sure is back. Hopefully it stays on. One of the things that inspired him to create the uh, spicy chip was his, his you know... Uh, col like cultural culinary background and uh, using the foods that they uh, grew up eating and how in in the labs in Illinois or wherever it was, they were using all of these hard-to-pronounce chemicals to try and make their version of the spicy chip, but we used natural chiles and, and stuff that we made from home. Have you picked up a bag of hot Cheetos recently and read the ingredients? So, there's no natural exactly. chilies in there. Bro, I'll double up with you on that one, too. Uh, they make it such a, like, race war thing without having the, the balls to have your whole chest out and say it. Cool Ranch. Who eats Cool Ranch? It's even <laughs> in the trailer. And then, yeah. like, this is that. It feels like a reverse engineered thing of, like, all right, we made this product. Clearly, the Mexicans eat it the most. So now let's reinvent the story to be for the Mexicans. Like, it doesn't take away the story of a guy who went from a janitor to something because clearly that happened. Yeah, that's but true. For sure. At, at what point is it not him embellishing, but the company? Like, this yeah. man would have gone to jail, and they would have stopped this from the get-go. Like, this, it's called copyright infringement. There's a movie on our screen right now. So, uh, again, all of that needed to be cleared. You can see it right there. He's got the bags in the background. Uh, I think it's a more convoluted story than people are making it out to be. I don't deny uh, mm -hmm. the embellishments, but I find it weird where we stop the story as if Frito-Lay, oh, this man can't have the honor of inventing it, but not blame Frito-Lay's for propping up the man as the poster boy? It's mm -hmm. very weird to me. Uh, it's also a movie, Zach. So with it just being a movie film, I agree with you. Yeah, it's one of those just cultural, you are you are sitting there, and if you have a Mexican family, half of the jokes are like one bits that you have seen before. Also, my man, my man's toupee here. When Tony they, Shalhoub. Because it takes place in the past. Tony Shalhoub's too bad. I hope he took that home or at least the guy who worked with him. <laughs> um, 
this is a movie that all relies on the relationship between the the main couple and how they help each other out. Uh, also, how when you work like w even within a community, like how can you all come together to get something done? Uh, it very much is a family film. I thought these two did a fantastic job. They were also at the premiere. Uh, kind of just showcasing their love story and how no matter what they went through, uh, him having a father who was always putting him down and having, you know, religion and other other things um, to uphold him. I, I thought that's where the beauty in the story is, right? Yeah. Uh, even if you see it as a fictional thing, I think that's the selling point, their performances, uh, and has that family comedy that I think in 90 minutes will... Uh, be an enjoyable watch for most people. So with it being on Hulu, with it being on Disney+, Plus, wherever it is, I still think it's worth the watch. I don't think anything's going to change whether you credit him for Cheetos or not. I think the right. idea is we barely got this movie because nobody knew. And after this, I don't think anybody will care. <laughs> uh, I recognize the youngest son from, like, he's got some popular TikToks, but do not Google Wait, his really? life story. Yeah, but do not Google his life story if you don't want to get sad. Just just a warning. <laughs> well, you told what? Is a bad bet? Did he also lie about another Cheeto brand? <laughs> no, no, no lying. <laughs> just, just some personal tragedy that uh, maybe, maybe oh, you don't dear. want this early okay. on a Monday morning. Gotcha. I'll check it out later. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Gotcha. He works for a secret organization in Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, we didn't have too many other stuff that was in streaming. Uh, a little shout out for the angry black girl and her monster that we caught at South by. It was a cute take on the tail, but it's got this really weird push and pull for me. I don't know if you caught it. No, I didn't get around to it yet. I think um, Johnny it, likes it like a this, bit. Yeah, it's like a, a, a retelling. Uh, I want to call it a remake, but a retelling of like Frankenstein, you know, Mary Shelley. Uh, yeah. And the idea of being able to take what is uh, a scenario uh, in an impoverished place in where people are dying, family members are dying around this young girl who is really smart, and then being able to almost Frankenstein those who are dead around her. Uh, some interesting gore effects, but again, it's like a family film, and then you have the like stuff that I would never play in front of my family because it's too disgusting. So <laughs> a really weird blend of things, which I appreciate, but also kind of... Uh, Puts it all over the place. But the Angry Black yeah. Girl and her monster is getting a uh, premium release of sorts before it goes to digital. Uh, there was also Padre Pio. I don't know if you heard about this one. The, the child above LaBeouf. acting as a father. You know, Transformers is out and so is he. He's always going to have a, that Transformers release. He just is a holy man this time around. I got to catch a lot of his press run because he used the press run for Padre Pio to also apologize for his sins. Which mm -hmm. I thought was a very clever thing to do. <laughs> And um, it's not good. Based on a true story, uh, I'll actually mention it in a bit because I'll have that as my recommended for the week. But uh, the Tonys also streamed last night. I don't know if you were able yeah. to catch that they were going to stream. They weren't going to stream because of the writer's strike. Turns out um, no one knows how to stage block if there's no writers. <laughs> right. Um, nothing made it more obvious than to see people go up at the Tonys and say, ah, this blocking is wrong. This is why we need writers. It's like the writers have absolutely nothing to do with the blocking. And they're there trying to talk about how no one pays attention to the writers as none of them have ever clearly talked to a writer in their life. <laughs> Believe it or not, as however you want to see the Tonys and all those people being so caring, they also don't care that much either. They still held the ceremony. And I wanted to uh, shout out one of the ones that we were able to go catch. I had told like, yo, when we go to New York, if this is still playing, I need to see Corey Hawkins and Yahya on stage for Top Dog Underdog. Zach got the tickets. We were, what, second row for this? And now it is the winner breath. for Best Revival of a Play. Let's go. I was really hoping they were going to win Best 
actor, bro. That best actor one was stacked, and I really wanted Corey Hawkins to take it. Uh, it went to Sean Hayes, I think, which I haven't seen that one, but um, I've heard some uh, I'm curious things. to know anyone's recommendations from the from the Tonys, any of your uh, highlights from um, the show. I, I will point out one, dude. Leah Michelle. I think you could recap people what happened uh, with Funny Girl. Because I have a little thing I <laughs> yeah. noticed. Well, yesterday. so there's the whole uh, drama where they cast Beanie Feldstein in the lead, and supposedly she was struggling to handle the rigors of performing on Broadway eight times a week and, and hitting all the right notes. And at some point, the producers made a call and swapped out Beanie Feldstein for Leah Michelle without really, like, asking Beanie Feldstein, which is not the type of thing you typically do to a star on that level. Look, yesterday, there was two dudes sitting in the front. Those two dudes would be Dear Evan Hansen and our boy who's a standout in uh, theater camp, the one who ends up kind of, like, stealing the show. I, I'm blanking on both of their names at the moment, but there was a kind of mini viral photo of them at the red carpet with the big suits. I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, no, I didn't actually. Um, what, what's her names? Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, from theater camp, the what's his name? Uh, Noah from Galvin. Theater camp, yeah, both of them. Noah Galvin and then and Ben um, Platt. They're sitting in the front row when Funny Girl, when Leo Michelle is doing the final performance. As everyone's clapping for her when she hits the final note, the second final note, they're the only ones who are sitting like this. <laughs> they then lead up to the climax, bro. Every single performance has that like 360 shot where the camera's going to go around. They leave. Bro, they timed it to leave, sitting front row, to get up right before a climax so that she can see two people walk out. And as she hits the final line, you see the camera spin around in two completely empty seats <laughs> in the front row. Talk about pettiness. Mm -hmm. Where was your girl in theater camp, if y'all care for her so much? I know they grew up together. I know they're like best friends, but like, damn. Yeah, uh, I, maybe there's some bad blood Leah there. I mean, we've we've heard something. It, there's been some scuttlebutt about Leia's offstage reputation, so maybe there's more of a story there to tell. Uh, did any oh, also Ben, ben Platt and Noah Galvin were engaged? I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you know about the Dear Evan Hansen relationship thing? No. So Ben Platt was the first person to play Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Noah Galvin, who, as you just mentioned, he's engaged to, was the second. The third person to pay Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway is now currently dating the fourth person to play Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Tell me who the third one is, because that's who I think... To be honest, I forgot their names. I just know that bit. <laughs> Did it, didn't it end up switching to, ah, uh, he was into all the boys. Fisher. Oh, maybe. Right? I yeah. think so, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds familiar. <laughs> So is the fifth going to date the sixth? It's just going to be a continual it's theory, just gonna a be continual the, Evan Hansen pipeline? Exactly. The the Broadway actor engagement uh, conspiracy or something. Uh, wow. So anything else, at the Tonys, anything else at the Tonys stand out to you? Are we buying some more tickets for when you come out here in October? I, I know I want to see uh, Leopoldstadt, which picked up some awards which for, one? Play, for a play. Yeah, Yeah, that one, the big one. I saw I get some acting awards. I don't. Have you seen Life of Pi? Life of Pi and Sweeney Todd were sweeping up all the technical categories. I mean, I've heard Life of Pi is supposed to be amazing on stage. Dude, lighting, sound, it sounds yeah. like the story might not be, <laughs> the story does not translate. 
but they're doing magic up there. I want to see that. Uh, shucks, there's this one about corn that I thought looked pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah. I guess I want to check that one out, too. I'm going to have my list uh, right in time for New York. Nice. Um, uh, in October, but uh, I also got to make it out because I know that there was some that were happening right now. The one with Jody Comer, who also won. Yeah. I had heard uh, Alina was telling me that uh, she had to stop the show because she couldn't breathe inside the theater. And I'm like, y'all got to get her more Dyson fans in there or something. <laughs> like, there is no reason why indoors isn't being kept safe. Well, um, that was that was the day that New York looked like the, the movie Dune. So yeah. <laughs> it was not the easiest to breathe anywhere in the Northeast that day. Um, there's another one. The the one with Maisel and our boy. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Oscar Isaac. I wanted yeah, to see yeah, that yeah. as well. But, but I know that uh, New York tends to have a lot of like really big spring ones. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just excited to see what else is going to be in there. But uh, I'm going to go through the Tonys. I'm going to get my list. If anybody has recommendations, nice. let us know in the chat. Let us know down below. Uh, I do take those to heart. And uh, I'm ready to collect another seven playbills. But yeah, the Tonys are pretty <laughs> decent. Um, they ended up streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can catch the rewatch there. And they were hosted by... Uh, did the thing. She did the thing again. She did <laughs> Ariana DeBose, yeah. She did the thing like 20 times, so it's like she's definitely uh, milking the joke there. But that was the Tonys. Moving on to, 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 to Tribeca. Zach, talk yeah. about some of the other stuff that you've been able to see, the breakdown for Tribeca, how things have been. Yeah, I mean, I, I said most of what I've got to catch at the top. There's also a Netflix film, uh, Take Care of Maya, that... Uh, played here. I, I'm not sure when it ha- will pop up on Netflix, but I thought it was a pretty uh, compelling true crime-ish documentary. It, it's not really true crime, but it is. Uh, it, it takes. It sort of looks at the um, child protective services system and the the faults in it and the ways in which it drastically impacted this one family when their mother was accused of Munchausen's by proxy. Uh, and okay. you know, there's. I think there's definitely a lot of elements to it that could feel salacious, but ultimately it was pretty um, pretty moving, and they do some things filmically that, I don't know, just I think will a lot of people will react very emotionally to the film, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's a big thing for uh, Netflix uh, in a couple months' time. What's it um, uh, Take Care of Maya. Take Care uh, of Maya, got it. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I... Right now, my plans are just to try and catch up with a couple more films throughout the week. You know, I've got plans to go see uh, a lot of films that are directed by actors. That tends to be a thing that happens a lot at Tribeca. Jennifer Esposito has a directorial debut here. Uh, uh, What's his name? David Duchovny has a film called Bucky Fucking Dent. Uh, I think about the yeah about the baseball player that I'm uh, curious to see. And we mentioned Chelsea Peretti's film uh, earlier. But the film I'm most excited to uh, check out at some point is called, I believe, Eric LaRue. Uh, It is the directorial debut from one Michael Shannon, who happens to be one of our favorite actors and also stars, uh, uh, what's her name, Judy Ray? No, uh, what's her name? Judy Greer, uh, who I think is excellent and often a bit of a side character in films, so it'll be exciting to see her a little more centrally in this one. So, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be able to uh, bring a lot more updates on uh, next week's pod once Tribeca's all wrapped up. Sounds pretty good. Uh, I reached out for a couple. All that I've gotten so far was um, the new one by um, the directors who did Polly Murray, RGB. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on them, but they had one called Everybody. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Try- I'm trying to get on the doc game. I don't know how many docs you're going to see, but that's, that's my... I-, I think usually they end up with good 
docs, like you were saying, the narratives sometimes end up being like streamage. You'll get you'll get a couple of gems, but the documentaries are, are sometimes. I mean, that's that's my go-to. That's right where there. it's at. That's where it's at sometimes, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'll also shout out while we're shouting out documentaries. Uh, Scream of My Blood. Uh, it's the documentary about the band Gogol Bordello. Another really good one. Yeah, doc. I think uh, Tribeca is trying. I think to mold themselves a little more closely to what the South by Southwest experience is because yeah. they dropped they've dropped this. the word film. They're now just yes. Tribeca Festival, and I'm seeing a lot more. Uh, hyping up of the music aspect of it. They're throwing shows and concerts and stuff. Uh, they're also really heavy into tech and video games. They had a whole panel for Alan Wake, Alan which I know Wake. is a game a lot of people are excited for. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, uh, you've come out to New York for the New York Film Festival, and that's like a historic festival that gets a lot of amazing films. I think Tribeca is rightly recognizing that, like, in order to kind of distinguish their own thing, they got to expand and maybe look a little bit more progressively at uh, what storytelling is maybe holistically rather than just yeah. in the film sense. And having a proper schedule that doesn't get messed up. But yeah, I, I like their new approach to storytelling. That it doesn't matter if it's video games, it doesn't matter if it's performance of any kind. Storytelling totally. should be the thing. So we'll just get good storytelling, hopefully, uh, and some of your new picks for next week. But any Tribeca picks that y'all may have, let us know in the chat. Let us know down below. Uh, it's the newest festival that we've got on here. And also uh, for TIFF, if any of you uh, up-and-coming filmmakers or people who are covering festivals yourself, I heard the TIFF accreditation closes very soon, and they are Ooh. also starting to sell passes. So if you're looking for what we consider, we have favorite festivals, but what we consider the best bang for your buck film festival, I still think it's TIFF. Yeah. Um, I was cleaning up the website, trying to get all of our coverage there too, so you'll be able to go to the A to Z show.com, the A to Z show.com, film festivals, and I have all of the stuff that we've done here on Intercut, uh, a lot of the LMEs that we've done, all of the previews to see what the best have been for previous lineups, so then you can go into it and uh, keep an eye out for what it is that you want to get the most. So uh, I'm very curious to see um, what they're going to have in their lineup because I keep forgetting that Dune 2 is coming out this year. Yeah, we got a lot uh, to get excited for this fall. So, I need to go to TIFF if they're going to yeah. premiere it. <laughs> uh, so, I'm really excited for that. Um, other than that, Zach, give a big shout out to the patrons before we talk about what's coming out new in theaters and our picks for the week. Yeah, a big shout out to the Intercuties, those wonderful people who are supporting the show over on patreon.com slash intercutpod. Uh, our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Josh, uh, and Benji. And, of course, a big thanks to the producer-level patrons, Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. Thank you all for all of the support and a reminder that you, too, can join in for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you'll get access to early episode outlines. Sometimes we upload early cuts of our episodes over there. You get access to the private channel on the Intercut Discord, where we chat with y'all throughout the week, as well as our monthly patron hangouts over on Google, where we discuss the latest in film and clue you in to what's coming uh, down the pipeline on the podcast. Sometimes we ask the patrons for some help deciding what movies should go in our brackets and stuff like that. Uh, and we still got one more monthly hangout coming later in June. So uh, in order to join us and talk movies, it's uh, just $1 a month over at patreon.com slash intercutpod. When are we doing our best of the year again? Or half? 
Midway? Uh, the last week of June we'll be, we'll be filming that at least. And I think we'll get at least one of them out before June is up. Um, so yeah, if there's movies that we need to catch, TV we need to catch before the no, end of the I, month, I'm asking, let you know? us know. Uh, I want to make Leave sure us some comments. I don't want the recommendations last minute and then not be able to watch it. <laughs> make sure whatever we've missed that you have not seen us cover here, please, please, please let us know. Absolutely. I guess we'll be including games. We'll, we'll be including games this year. So if you have anything good, let Ooh. us know down below. Um, why not? Hey, Tribeca's doing it. Yeah. Why, can't, why can't the Intercut podcast? Exactly. Um, I, I've been I've been video gaming a little bit. Okay. I got some Tears of the Kingdom to talk about. I, I still got to play that. I, I saw people were making beats off that game, so uh, clearly there's a lot <laughs> lot to do with that. Yeah. Uh, for this week, there is a lot of stuff coming out. I'm going to mention some of the stuff that I don't believe is on any of our picks for the week, but it does begin pretty big. I had the chance to catch the Flash. Catch the Flash. Um when others have not been able to, uh, broadly speaking. I have my thoughts over on uh, LME. Zach, I don't know if you're excited for this. Uh, not particularly. I've never really been into the DC movie universe outside of Christopher Nolan's contributions to it. And, uh, you know, it seems like it's really satisfying the type of audience who is going to be excited for certain elements from the past to show up and certain Easter eggs to drop. But that's never really been why I go to these types of films. So I'm still going to watch it's gonna it. It's going to be... Okay, so you'll be in theaters. Yeah, It, it is yeah. fully shot for IMAX for what that's worth for people. I am the biggest of Batman fans. This is a Batman movie featuring The Flash is the best review I can give it. And uh, why am I not more excited? Elemental is also out in theaters this week, and the newest from Pixar. Zach is seeing it tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, part of Tribeca or screener? Uh, we we got a Disney screener for it. Figured it's easier to nice. go that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elemental. Wait, you got like a screening link? No, 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 no. I'm I'm heading to uh, Lincoln Square. I, oh. I gotta cross oh, the bridge. To say, and everything. Dang, I was like, I, I yeah. want to pass on some of those Easter eggs. Uh, look, I will <laughs> say this to keep it brief. We'll talk more later. It is so heavy-handed. It is goofily heavy. Zach, you are going to laugh. Zach, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts <laughs> on this. <laughs> on this uh, I'll bring my notebook. Bro, this, is, this thinks it's American Tale, bro, with elements. It's Zootopia uh, again. It is the funniest, goofiest. It thinks it's, it's making a point and it doesn't realize it's making a reverse point. And then it's Pixar, and it's still kind of adorable. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it with you next week. A lot of little Easter cool. eggs in there. Very colorful. Not their best. Go see Spider-Verse. But Zach, looks like people should stay at home for the first thing because I heard sad news, but talk about it in the happiest way possible as it's gone. Yeah, man. I mean, one of my favorite Hangout shows, Grand Crew, it's got a great, funny cast. It's a really good time. I thought it was like this decade's answer to How I Met Your Mother, but... Alas, the people Ooh. at NBC Universal did not think Sick. so, and they canceled Grand Crew after its Ooh. second season, which is available over on Peacock. Uh, luckily, they have yet to pull the David Zaslav and yank that stuff off the platform, so you can still enjoy, uh, I think it's like 26 episodes of wine and, and time with good friends. Uh, it's just like a really great gang. One of those shows that it's like... I just want to go see all my friends for half an hour on Thursday night, you know? Um, so I, I can't recommend it enough, and uh, I'll be definitely, for years, being like, oh, it's that guy from Grand Crew, when they inevitably show up in other comedies. So, uh, yeah, yeah, give it a watch. Maybe if enough of us do it, they, they'll uh, reverse their decision, but I'm not keeping right? my fingers crossed. It, it, like, it was a network show, but at the same time, technically, we're all watching it. 
online. So, yeah. right? Uh, I, I feel like at, at that point, anyone's able to renew it if they wanted to. I'm trying to, right here, bruh. Yeah. What you just said, I did. And, I, and are you there? It's, it's me. Are you there, guys? It's me, Margaret. When he comes out as a teacher, I'm like, Grand Crew? I just look over yeah. at Arena. So I, I hope that, even, like you said, even if Grand Crew has been put to rest, that they flourish in uh, a bunch of other ways. So, yeah, I double that up. Good pick. Nice. Uh, give a quick shout out to a movie that came out maybe two weeks ago. We haven't yet had a chance to talk about on the pod, but I don't know if you had a chance to watch Reality over on Max, yeah. the new film starring Sydney Sweeney that uh, I think takes a really interesting approach to how it decides to tell the story of Reality Winner, the uh, woman who was uh, sent to prison for five years after leaking uh, a confidential document. Uh, and the really interesting thing about how the filmmaker Tina Satter decides to approach this film is that all of the dialogue that you hear is from the uh, transcripts that were the FBI transcripts that were recorded on the day when she was arrested. Uh, from the moment when they arrive at, from the moment they arrive at her house to uh, the the moment that we leave the film. It's all dialogue that's lifted directly from those transcripts and some of it performed basically as it was originally done. Uh, and it gives you, like, the thing about it is it's so, so much of these minor details, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't show the full scope of her story. It doesn't show uh, all the motivations that went into her decision. It, it's, in the minutia of it, it both shows kind of the weird power that, uh, the, these government agencies choo uh, choose to wield over uh, citizens and also like the strange abilities of like regular people to to be these uh, things that like clog up the machine and, and cause uh, consternation and I don't know there, there's something really um, really gripping about seeing it done this way where you kind of see her slowly broken down by these agents and and ultimately admit to the things that she's done, but also the way that they are coming at her so heavily for what is ultimately one document about a thing that was pretty widely at least known or, or speculated to be true. And I, I think while not telling you necessarily how to feel about it, I think it gives you enough information to kind of like take away and discuss elements of the story. So I, I thought it was a, a very compelling thing, a really uh, show, interesting showcase for Sydney Sweeney as well that relies a lot less on her natural like charisma and brightness and is much more reserved. She's much more internal in this film. And it does make me think that she's going to have like a pretty solid career outside of the types of roles that we know her for right now. Always like a twofer of a name. Reality. HBO, right? Yeah. Uh, or Max, as or it's Max. called. Oh, sorry. Zaz's not going to come after me. Uh, we got another pick for the week. Uh, I think we've mentioned it every single week. I will allow it because it is both of our probably favorite movie. <laughs> Evan, I mean, it's it's available on VOD now. I, don't, I think we mentioned that last week, but we'll make it's, sure you know it now. If it streams somewhere, we will mention it again. Yes. When it gets this printed is... out on DVD, we will mention it again. It is one of the best. I said it's my birthday weekend uh, last weekend. I got I used that leverage to get my parents to sit down and watch this movie, and they Ooh, both loved they it too. They loved wow, it. Wow, there we go. I mean, 
it's just a really interesting to story, and I think it's told in a way that really, like, moves. Once you are maybe 10 minutes into that film, you get fully pulled onto the roller coaster that was the rise and fall of the BlackBerry Company. I think the performances are so, so excellent. Uh, Glenn Howerton, in particular, I just think is, like, uh. a revelation in this movie. I, I just want to, like, I want to super or, or supercut all of his, like, loud screams together and just watch that. Love uh, a great loud scream. He's he, it's amazing. Uh, I also like went back and watched the Dirties finally, Matt Johnson's first film. Another like Tommy. really incredible movie. I I, I it, you can really see uh, the early stages of what he's trying to do in BlackBerry, particularly the way that they shoot things is similar in a lot of ways. But it's a fascinating, fascinating movie. Uh, about the, these guys who are trying to film a movie about a school shooting and then decide maybe we should do a school shooting. Uh, but it, it's it's messed up, but Matt Johnson pulled it off. I, I don't know, man. I think he's a really excellent filmmaker. I can't wait for whatever's going to come next room. I've been catching, like, I don't even know how to do it in chronological order, but Nirvana, the band, the show, just a dozen yes. more clips. And uh, I keep doing the, ah, ah. ah. I've been using it in some elements. It, it's just... Yeah, and there's going to be a bunch for BlackBerry. I can't wait for it to be streaming so they can get the meme treatment because, like you said, there is so much to pull from it. So uh, doubling up on BlackBerry, we'll be talking about it every week. Well, honestly, we will. It's going to keep making yeah. mentioned in several other big videos. So oh, yeah. uh, BlackBerry out on VOD. Uh, we don't, do you want to talk about the blackening a little bit? Uh, you, you saw this one at TIFF? Yeah, I did. my anticipated new movie of this new week that I have yeah. yet to see. So just type it up for me. I mean, I, you know, I will say that I was like mixed on it. I think that it could have used mixed. like another pass of the script, a little bit more punch up on the jokes, but there's a on lot the of jokes. funny stuff on there. There's a lot of funny stuff. There's just maybe like a, a lot of, uh, there's maybe as many jokes that hit that miss is the only oh. thing. I think it's going to really resonate with its target audience because, like, it's very, it's very of the culture. It's very knowing, and it's less of a parody of horror films than it is more of a commentary on the black horror experience, which is really mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, but I, it's there's a lot to enjoy, and again, like, uh, this is just a great cast as well. A lot of our favorites, uh, Jermaine Fowler, uh, what's his, solid. Uh, what's his name from? Uh, American Vandal and the Spielberg High Flying Bird movie uh, shows um, up in this as well. He was also um, in the Luis Guzman one that's doing the rounds right now. Yeah, um, yeah. From um, Melvin, Melvin Bragg. Yes, he was really yes. good in what's the what's the one with Luis Guzman? Uh, Story Av. Dude, he kills it in Story Av. Now he's Absolutely. he's fantastic. He's got range. Yeah. Um, so I do think like if you have the opportunity to watch this in a crowded theater, go run. Damn it will story. Okay. Yeah, and and I'll, ah, I'll, t okay. I'll tell this brief anecdote from uh, <laughs> from my TIFF screening. <laughs> so we were waiting for the movie to start, and I heard this guy a couple seats down saying like, "Oh, I don't know anything about this director. Is he new?" And then the TIFF person comes out to introduce the film and say, "We loved Tim's story from his work on the Fantastic Four films to his work on Tom and Jerry." And this guy just goes, "Oh, oh." Oh, <laughs> gets his dreams dashed before the movie even starts. So I will say this. I think Why it's my favorite Tim Story those? film. Why would you start with <laughs> Just Tom leave and him Jerry? Out. Just leave him out. For the Blackening. You had right along one and two. <laughs> 
That's crazy. All right. Well, uh, I'm so excited for it. I agree with you. Uh, I'm hoping to see it uh, during the weekend, not matinee, prime time. So. Absolutely. And then uh, my last pick for the week is the one that I'm most excited to catch in theaters this weekend. It's the boy Wes Anderson returning with Asteroid City. Uh, we had Amanda on last week to talk about Khan, and she and I both agreed that his last couple of films were maybe not his strongest, at least in our opinion. Uh, I know there are people uh, who, who love those films out there. Uh, Amanda said that this was... <laughs> <laughs> Amanda said that this was her favorite West film in a long time, and I'm hoping that it will be mine too. I'm ecstatic I think it looks for that. Excellent. I think it looks really, really exciting and, and kind of different for him, even though there are those like signature elements. It, it just seems a little bit more like family focused in a way that maybe shouts back to some of my preferred films from him, like Royal Tenenbaums. And also that cast, man. Like, the trailer needs like its own eight second block just to get through all the names you're going to recognize in this cast. There was a new trailer that played, uh, I, I don't even remember for what, it could have just been an ad on TV. The way they just rolled out the cast name was such a flex. <laughs> right? Nah, like, like they hadn't rolled it out like that before and they just let a scene play with the cast on the side. I was like, oh, you know, at this point, like, like how cool it is to just show the, 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 the text yeah. of everyone who's involved in this. Uh, Margot yeah, Robbie is in this movie and in none of the trailers. That's crazy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it, it, it's like the Oppenheimer trailer. Every time there's that one shot of Florence, I go, oh my gosh, it's Florence. <laughs> right. How many She's in it too. movies am I going to see Florence in this year? Uh, I'm ecstatic for it. But yeah, uh, Asteroid City, you, you already have it near you, right? Uh, yeah, it'll be out at least in New York on Friday. I don't know uh, how okay. quickly it's expanding. No screenings for you? I ain't get any screening invites either, so I guess. <sighs> I'm, a, I'm not important enough. I just host a podcast. Man, it's because you dished, you ditched the last one. I, guys, <laughs> I, I, I like the last yeah, one. Very good. Wes has got a shooter's out <laughs> for me. Oh, kind of straight. Art's top five right here. It's going to begin with my other pick that we've been mentioning a lot. It is now in theaters over here. It was limited last week, and everyone continues to log it throughout. And I am excited to say that the best movie of Sundance is now available for everybody. It was the one movie that you and I noticed was a late addition, but we had PDFs from the jump that had it included. Ooh, they knew it was going to be that good. Usually we'll be like, this is a plant well, if it is, they watered it like crazy because this is one of the best yeah. movies of the year. Past Lives was not playing digitally. Uh, it still isn't playing digitally because it's worth it for you to go see it in theaters. This is a full combo price. Go see it at an art house theater if you can. Uh, there are a lot of Q&As that I've been seeing her do uh, around different cities. Ooh, you, yeah. if, you are, if you are so lucky to catch a Q&A with her and the cast... Uh, it's going to be something that you're going to remember because uh, the way that they talked about it at Sundance was fantastic. I saw some of the excerpts from Chicago. One of the best of the year. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, it, I, we're going to do our best movies of the year pod very soon. And surprise, right surprise, here. I think it's going to get <laughs> <laughs> three mentions from you, me, and Amanda. I, I, I did want to ask you about this other thing I've been considering, though, in that... They didn't invent hot cheetos? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is up with the, the ingredients, right? No, um, we, we've been talking about on our Oscar podcasts that they are again and again rewarding more and more films that come out early in the year, like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Coda. Yes, sir. Uh, 
Do you feel like this is a smart strategy on A24's part to put what we consider like easily one of the best films of the year, easily a contender for best picture, out this early and give it a chance to kind of marinate in the culture? Or is there a chance that this one isn't loud enough, splashy enough, uh, inspirational enough that maybe it will get kind of overlooked by December, January? I see mentions of After Sun. I see mentions of Minari. Love Minari. This one's better. It's it's an amazing film. I mean, it's just one of those th- films that I feel like is kind of so undeniably incredible. I would have a hard time imagining it not sweeping lots of like critics' awards and just continuing to yeah. stay in the conversation. And you know, I, I know uh, there's like people. It's not. Uh, confirmed for certain countries, but like I think that's all part of their slow play for this. It's going to be releasing yeah. all over the world over the next two three months, and people are going to keep keep talking about it, and then it'll hit you know streaming in VOD probably hit, November like December like and get a whole nother round. Yeah, easily. Uh, and I think that's a, a great thing that you're mentioning there that not releasing it theatric theatrically later on but theatrically now, so it gets all that push, so that it's available digitally is what helps a lot of people. I think, you know, getting a lot of people to make uh, essays and articles on it around that time as well because of the access is also going to be beneficial. Yep. Um, it, it, it It's also in its subtlety. I, I don't want to overhype it like it's going to be this thing that's going to knock you out every single minute. You saw that Mayweather fight? I'm going to tie this in here. You saw the Mayweather fight last night? <laughs> I can't wait to see how you tie this in. Yes, I saw that. The end fight of it, after at least. the fight? There, there was this Mayweather fight that nobody knew was happening until it went viral because they ended the fight and this dude who's fighting Mayweather, refused to listen to the referee and decided to just street fight Mayweather. Go search this up because I'm not, I'm not taking money Mayweather's money. He goes up to him and tries to hit him. The crowd goes crazy. Mayweather hit him with this one little tap, and the guy's like, yeah, never mind, completely retreats back. That's how this movie hits you at the end of it all. You don't even realize it, and there will just be a character standing there, and I'm sitting there at 10 o'clock in the morning at Sundance, just a tear. Co- I didn't even know the tear was halfway down my face. This hits you out of nowhere just like a quick jab does. You're going to think this is a slow movie. And then it's going to slowly creep up on you for the entire rest of the year. Yeah. Past lives. Best movie. Uh, Money Mayweather says five stars. Boom. Watch it. <laughs> Completely on the opposite side of the spectrum is based on a true story. A love story. That's a murder mystery kind of thing. I, I, I think these two are really good actors, specifically Chris Messina. That is my boy. Yes. They're a couple who is pregnant. She has a podcast, is really into murder mysteries. Out of nowhere, somebody, maybe even their janitor, is going on a killing spree and is a serial killer. Who knows that he? Kn- who knows that they know he's a serial killer, and thus <laughs> they start doing a podcast where he's the serial killer guest. I don't even know how else to describe this show other than without streaming. This would not be on, uh, what is Peacock originally? NBC. This would never yeah. be on NBC. This is a 100% Peacock original, and they are taking full advantage of it. Um, cool. it it's fun. It's interesting. It's violent. It's definitely TVMA. Uh, and they would play off of each other so well. So if you wanted a podcast, true crime, rom-com, uh, this blends it all in together, and it's kind of cute. All episodes are already out. I'm missing the last two-ish, I think. Um, nice. But it was a pretty decent watch. I've uh, heard some I'll, comparisons I'll because it's also like a comedy crime uh, podcast-centric show to Only Murders in the Building. Would you compare those two, or are they kind of different animals? Um, 
it would be a, a great double thing. Like if somebody had finished Murders and or if somebody watched this, it's the best thing to recommend to each other. But they're cool. different enough. But yeah, I can see that. that that's a compa- good comparison. My next one would be a show. Zach, this is how dumb I am. I always thought It's Always Sunny was in Boston. <laughs> I mean, there was something, who, no, there was something about the group, bro. Can make they don't that sound, mistake. Look, I, I don't know. I thought they were Bostonians. The, the crew always came out. Like, they're, they have an Irish pub. I, I didn't know. Yeah. They're from Philly, uh, 100%. I started yeah. watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia now that they've got their new season. Right off the bat, you've caught up with the show? Oh, yeah. It's it's hilarious. No, bro. This is curb levels. Yeah. This is crazy. This show is awesome. Uh, you had mentioned Blackberry. This dude really... Now I can't see Blackberry the same. I'm wondering what it's like to see Blackberry as an Always Sunny fan. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible because it's such a different speed. But also, there's, like, you still see Glenn Howerton little, there. <laughs> yes, there's little bits of it. Because yeah. I'm watching Always Sunny going, oh, look, he's doing the Blackberry thing. No, this is shot in 05. This is an incredibly funny show. It is so unhinged. Um, I did cheat, start watching season one, pulled what I did with Curve, start watching the new season, and, they're, yeah, they're off They're off the rocker immediately. If you have not yeah. caught It's Always Sunny, I think they signed for, what is it, 99 more seasons. <laughs> so it's over on Hulu. They're releasing weekly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're, it's worth it. They're in that like curb your enthusiasm zone where they kind of just have a great formula going and they have so many funny people involved that they it feels like they can just kind of go forever. And as long as these like immensely talented people want to keep working together, I'm gonna keep enjoying it because like yeah. it, you know, we were talking about this before, but like it, it's crazy. They all started out on this and they all kind of turned themselves into these mega stars. Mega stars. Yeah. Bro, it's Luigi. Like, this man is his <laughs> own own brand. You mean uh, Fool's Paradise? <laughs> Besides, but the, the, the fact that you can make a Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Right? That's the flex in and of itself. This man, Rob, created an entire show that's one of our favorites. Mythic is Quest. it wrapped? I, I don't Like, did it wrap? I think I, it's I coming back. Okay, like, how do you do that he and then just have this? It's in. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't even keep up with football like that, but that is right. Him and, uh, what's his name? Ryan, right? Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Look, they 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 are incredible. They are fantastic. I, I'm i late to it, but I am excited that I have so much. This is my new um, just wind-down show. It, it, mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's incredible. Um, check it out. It's always sunny. I don't think it needs a recommendation, in but Boston? it is there. In Boston? <laughs> is that, bro, you spend more time in Philly. Are those Philly accents? I mean, not really, but... They're more positive. Look, he... Yeah. The other thing that bothers me is that the a lot of times they show exteriors that are shot in L.A. And it's... Like, once yeah. you have spent time in Philly, you know some of those exteriors are not in Philly. Gotcha. Also not in Boston. One that does need a little bit more of a shout-out. I don't know how much, if of any, you've caught a Dave. It is in its third season. Do you know anything about what I'm about to spoil for you? No, I don't. You know, I've been wanting to catch Dave, but it, I always find it's like, oh, I'll get to that one next. And it's sure. never the one I get to. For sure. But I, not for lack of your recommendations, because I know you like the show quite a bit. I think it's funny. I think it's good. I think he's annoying. You're not going to come out overly loving Lil Dicky if you didn't care for it before. It is the story of a rapper, Lil Dicky, who is a decent wordsmith. But is he a decent rapper? <laughs> that is the whole premise of the show. I don't know how, but he had some really good cameos in the first, pretty decent in the second, 
There is absolutely no reason, Zach. I repeat, there is absolutely no reason he should have gotten the cameos he's gotten for season three. There's one in particular that was spoiled for me that I just don't understand how he has that pull. We are ending the show. For those who don't want to know, <laughs> tune in next week, Zach. We need to talk about this. Which one was spoiled for you? I mean, the, the star of many a major motion picture directed by David Fincher. Singing in this series. <laughs> There is the biggest rapper out there comes out as AI, as if AI, this rapper, hasn't already been out there a lot. Uh, I'm going to spoil the Jack Harlow one. Jack Harlow appears for several episodes just to make fun of Lil Dicky with yes. Machine Gun Kelly, who then would go on to diss Jack Harlow. There's just Rachel McAdams plays a love interest. What's she doing on the show? There are That's so Margaret's many mom. people. <laughs> Margaret, that's the notebook lady I don't know how he was able to get the names he was able to for the show but it is insane dude um, catch it because it's just so over the top that I think it's worth watching I'm gonna be honest with you I haven't even seen season 3 but I've seen season 3 if you know what I'm talking about I've seen this thing on Twitter and YouTube I've damn near seen all the scenes out of order Dave it, it, I don't know how he knows all those people, but I am curious to see what he's going to do for season th uh, four if it comes back. Because at this point, he's damn near going to have the whole cast of Expendables there. Right. And Fast X. The final pick is the newest release that's going to be coming out on Netflix. I am not sure if it's going to drop all at once, if it's going to be done in parts. But they're claiming that Black Mirror season six, Think six. is going to be the craziest one yet. Mm. And they're claiming to make some things we've never seen before. I don't know what that means story-wise. They've done an interactive movie. Are they going to do something else that's different? Are they going to hack us by episode three? <laughs> I don't know what they're pitching, but they're hyping it up a lot. And this has been a consistent series that has literally become a verb. We use this in every day. I cannot watch a tech movie without someone saying, oh, it's like Black Mirror. But a good episode of Black Mirror, a bad mm -hmm. episode, it has become uh, a staple in households. I'm very excited for this new season, and the cast looks really good. Yeah, um, one of our favorite films out of South by Southwest was I Used to Be Funny, and I uh, realized that Ali Panku, who wrote and directed that one, is the director of one of these uh, new Black Mirror episodes as well. So some talent that we have checked out before is going to be involved. And as you mentioned, I mean, Black Mirror has become a show so iconic that it essentially is its own verb now. And while I don't know if the more recent seasons have hit, like, the same heights of those first two seasons for me personally, it's still Agreed. a show that I always watch whenever they drop new episodes. Yeah. Hasn't ruined the brand, though. That's what's the no. impressive part, yes. right? To go this long. So, hey, you never know. You, you're able to have those off seasons, but if you come back strong, no one's going to remember that. So, uh, closing it out again, I have Black Mirror coming out on Netflix with its new anthology episodes. All of the cameos in Dave, which we didn't spoil. <laughs> so, if you have not seen them, go. We also did not spoil the ending of Transformers. A lot of just weird finale finales uh, this past week. So Dave out on FX Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. It's Always Sunny in Boston on FX Hulu, <laughs> based on a true story on Peacock, for those who want a nice rom-com murder mystery and past lives. Zach, yes. Uh, the Asteroid City, the latest film from Wes Anderson that I can't wait to see. Uh, the Blackening, which is a comedy that you should see in the most crowded theater you can. Like, go look online and make sure that you won't be the only one there because you wanna, you wanna have it be surrounded by people laughing for a movie like that. That free seat between uh, two couples, take that one. <laughs> yes, uh, Blackberry. Now that it's on VOD, we will recommend it again, and when it hits streaming, we will recommend it once more. Hilarious we don't have movie. Posters. <sighs> 
I know they got to send. They should send us a poster. We were supposed to get an interview. They at least give us a poster, right? And take a poster. <laughs> uh, reality, which you can stream over on HBO Max, probably the best performance I've seen from Sydney Sweeney. And then finally, the recently canceled but still beloved Grand Crew, a good hangout, a fun comedy, still available to watch, at least for now, over on Peacock. I can't believe that. Uh, other than that, uh, let us know all of your thoughts down below. Uh, I am Art from LME Movies on Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff where you could follow me. But Zach, where can they follow you? You can follow me on different platforms at Zshevich, C-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, or follow my YouTube and multi YouTube and TikTok at Multiplex Show. If you find him over at Tribeca, let him know what your favorite movie is, as he's going to be catching up on all of the new Tribeca movies. Maybe some video games? Yeah, sure. I'll go to a, a talk or a panel or something. Talk Why not? That? Do they let you play the video games? Because at that point... I think it's more like panels and like discussions uh, than, than actual interaction. So they're still behind. Uh, I, yeah. I want to see some virtual stuff. Uh, yeah. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Uh, you can catch the live video here on YouTube.com every Monday where we cover film festivals, movies, TV, all of the best that can be your next must-watch. Big shout-out to all the intercuties who listen live, all of the patrons, all of the iTunes listeners, leaving us a five-star review. Zach, you said we were doing pretty good on the charts. Yeah, we popped up in the uh, United States charts for film oh, reviews. We're from yeah, there. yeah, hey. listen, right. Thanks for actually listening to us here. I guess, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're we're popping up in some of those English speaking countries like Canada. Beautiful. And, you know what's weird is like we're huge in France right now. We were of like course, we we're like number forty in France, which is dope. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty uh, decent. Uh, merci. Uh, I think that's. <laughs> I think that's right. It's something. It'll, they'll, they'll let us know if they're I watching. I said bonjour. <laughs> Don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over on Intercut Pod. And until next time, keep watching good movies. And we'll send you that warp key. <laughs>